Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. First things first, uh, the Star Wars question did not come up in Chris's interview. Everybody knows Empire Strikes Back is the best. Seriously, man. Second of all, uh, we need to pull the audience here on cilantro. Uh, does it taste like soap or not? So cilantro, yes, means it doesn't taste like soap, but it tastes like magic on your taco. And uh, no means it tastes like soap. So who here thinks cilantro, yes? And who hears cilantro, no? Wow, this is, last service it was like a 50-50 split. This is, this is boggling. Well, let's pray uh, as we prepare to open up the word together. Jesus, thank you uh, that you are king over all and that your kingdom is continuously on the move. We pray this morning that as uh, we open up the scriptures together, as we sing together, that your kingdom uh, would be awakened more and more in our lives together. And so, Jesus, we uh, pray that you would just bless our time together, both uh, for those of us in the room and those of us on the internets. And uh, Lord, we pray your joy uh, now. So we give you the floor, Jesus, for what you have to say. Amen. Uh, Linda, what was, I, we should pull the internet, too, on that one, um, what they think about cilantro. So it's about the same, 35, or 25% no, 25% of the people are wrong in the room, and that's hurtful, I know, I'm sorry. So uh, this morning we are going to be continuing our, or, sorry, not continuing, starting our new series uh, called Living the Resurrection. And in this series we're talking about how we live the life of the resurrection that Jesus entered us into with his resurrection. That we believe that eternal life isn't something for after we die, but eternal life is something that starts when we choose to follow Christ. As his spirit indwells us, we enter into eternal life now that continues on forever. And so we're asking the question of how do we live out that resurrection life today? Paul talks about this when he says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And we want to enter into this newness to be the new people that Christ has created us to be. And to be a new person, to be a new creation, means that we are being shaped to be like Jesus. Because his resurrection life is our resurrection life. And to be Uh, entering into a new creation means that we look like Christ. In Romans, Paul writes this, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That Jesus' resurrection is the firstfruits of all of our resurrections. That our story, of course, doesn't end with death, but that's only the new beginning into the great resurrection. And so we want to live lives that that are congruent with the great resurrection. And so the lens that we're going to be looking this through is through the fruit of the Spirit. So who here is familiar with the idea of the fruit of the Spirit? Hands up if you know these things. Anybody want to be so bold to tell me what they are? Either you two down there? Nope. Sepidae? Oh, love? Orange. 
Okay. Perfect. Melanie? Peas. Peas are vegetables. <laughs> uh, anybody else? We got another one down here? Self-control. That is another fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. You can say as many as you want. And yes, if you have your memory verse done this week, there will be a pizza party at the end of it for you. So, Oh, you don't have it all? Yeah. Ender. I know it's a tricky one. Patience? Okay, perfect. That's right. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these things, of course, are all marks of Jesus. That these words are all great descriptors of who Jesus is. That if you want to know Jesus, you know that he's the most loving. He's the most patient. He's the kindest. Jesus is faithful. He's good. And so... That bears a reason that if we are going to be living resurrection lives, indwelled by the Holy Spirit because they are the fruit of the Spirit and the Spirit lives in us and is with us, then to become resurrection people means that we are marked by the very same things that Jesus is marked with. Now up here, uh, I have this plant I'd like to introduce you to. This is my plant. That one's not. <laughs> But this is mine. I got it right before the pandemic. It's resilient. It spent over a year in my care. And there's still some green on it. Not much, but some, for those of you who can't see. There. See, Wes? It's still, it's still kicking, sort of. If kicking means not dead yet. Now, the question is, if I've got a plant like this, and I want to be a plant like that, how does that happen? Well, first of all, you have to have the right soil, right? That may or may not, I might have left it outside for a long time <laughs> in a pot that doesn't have a drain hole. <laughs> I'm sorry for all those of you who are, are horticulturists. I am not, but I had good intentions. But you need the right kind of soil that has the right kind of food in it, right? And then you may need to supplement it with food occasionally afterwards, not just put it in the right soil once and hope for the best. And then, of course, you have to till the soil. You can't, it's no good just to put the right soil there and then just leave it. You've got to mix it up, from what I hear. And if any of you are green thumbs and I'm totally doing this wrong, my apologies ahead of time. And then you need to, um, especially when it's a bigger tree than this, because this isn't a tree, it's some sort of dead plant, um, you need to rake the soil. You need to get rid of the weeds that will grow up and around it because weeds will come and they'll choke it out and take all the nutrients, right? And then your plant will look like that. <laughs> but if I just have the right soil and I just work at weeding, is that going to be enough for that plant to grow? Yes? That's what I thought too. <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. Kids, what else do plants need to grow? Water, yeah, what else? Sunshine, water and sunshine, these are the two key essential ingredients of life. 
So we get water, right? That goes in there, and you take the water, and you put it on the plant, not too much, not too little, just right. So those of you who have succulents, you want to want to make sure that you really soak those things, get the water flowing on them. Those with these kind of plants, like every six months, just give them a good touch-up, like just a spritz. That's right, right, guys? And then, of course, you need light. And this is a great recipe for this. A nice, full, well-cared-for plant that didn't have anything to do with meat. And that's how it's still alive. <laughs> so if we think about our own development, Paul talks about how these are the fruit of the Spirit. How do we grow? Well, the truth of the matter is, our responsibility sits somewhere here. We are the soil by which God grows his fruit in us. So our responsibility is to make sure we're feeding the soil. Make sure that we're taking in the word of God. Make sure that we're being with other Christians, that we're gathering in the ways that we can. And we're praying, taking part in spiritual disciplines. We want to make sure that we're weeding the things out, the things that we see in our lives that aren't right. You know, the things that we see in our lives that are, are causing us to go astray, that are causing us to just be distracted. And then, that's about it. I mean, today we have things like sprinklers and hoses, but if you think about the ancient world where Paul was writing, irrigation wasn't much of a thing. It was a little bit of a thing, but not much. And so, you know, you could walk and take this over to the pond over there and then carry it all the way back and water my plant, but I'd get pretty bored of that really quick. In the ancient world, the only way to get water was what? Rain. Can we control the rain yet? Not from what I understand, and you certainly couldn't back then. Same with sun. I know we've got hydroponic growing, blah, 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 but in the ancient world, where'd you get light from? The sun. That's the only way you'd get light that could grow stuff. Because fire doesn't grow stuff, does it? So what can you control in this mix here? You can control the soil. But the essential things for growth, you can't control. There's one other thing, though. I bought a cherry tree a few years ago when we moved into our house, and it was going to be great. You know, I was really looking forward to having those cherries that taste like cherry blasters. There was one problem, though. There were no other cherry trees in my neighborhood. So the first year when I got it from uh, the, the greenhouse, it was covered in cherries. It was great. The next year, guess how many cherries I got? No, not even 10. I got zero. It was the worst. Why did I get zero? Has to cross-pollinate. In the same way, we as Jesus followers, in order to grow, we need other trees around us. We need other people who are pushing us onwards towards love and good deeds, as Hebrews says. We need each other. So here's the truth of the matter. If we're going to be shaped like Jesus, we do this not by the way that our culture does, which I'm pretty sure our culture's story is read the right self-help book, get the right narrative, and then do it, which is a lot like me saying to this plant, grow, grow, grow. Is this plant going to grow if I tell it to grow? No, it's probably going to die worse. <laughs> right? It's going to be like, I don't like you. I don't want to be around you. 
In the same way, we have that same perspective of how do we grow? We just try harder, we push harder, we strive more and more. But that's not how we grow. Instead, we grow by being with the Spirit. Now let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit. So if we've, we know that we grow not by trying harder and harder and willing ourselves forward, but through some amazing work of God, and our responsibility is not to be the empowering factor, but instead our responsibility is to partner with God in it, who do we become? Well, the first one of the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to address is that of love. Love is perhaps our most basic and fundamental need as humans, isn't it? To know that we are loved, to know that we belong, that we're valued. The hard part, though, is the word love is so ridiculously inadequate. Because the same word love refers to the way that I feel about tacos, the way that I feel about my kids, and the way that I feel about my wife. And so that's tricky. Because when we say the word love, we all have different things in mind, don't we? And so when we talk about God being love, as John says in 1 John, God is love, what do we mean? Does God think about us the same way that we think about tacos? Maybe the way that Trish thinks about tacos. Although I had an octopus taco once, I did not care for that. Seriously, don't do it. God's love for us isn't, isn't the same as our love for tacos. It isn't even the same as our love uh, in marriage. Instead, God's love, because there's words for all these different things in Greek. Greek has four different words for love, which we're not going to get into. Instead, we're going to focus on one, which is the word uh, that we read about for God's love, and that is agape. Anybody heard agape before? Any children of the 80s and 90s familiar with agape land? And, yeah, Michelle's already singing Unconditional Love. I would sing, but I'm not behind the screen right now. And nobody wants to hear that. Trust me, the 9 a.m. heard it. They're, they're still in pain from it. The, this agape love of God, this unconditional love, I, I think is best described in a few different ways. The first, which of you kids have the Jesus Storybook Bible at your home? Any of you have that at all? Yeah, so the way the Jesus Storybook Bible describes it, which I love, is God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. This is the way that God's love is for us. It, it doesn't stop, it doesn't give up, it doesn't break, it's always and forever. And for those of you who have been at, uh, to a wedding before, you've, you've probably heard this other one, which interestingly isn't a romantic love, but still the love that we should have in marriage, but this unconditional love, which says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the kind of love God has for us. In case you're wondering... In Exodus 33, when God describes himself for the first time 
in the human experience, at least in Scripture, he says one of the attributes that he has is that he is abounding in love. So God's love isn't just limited. It is abounding. It's, it's so much. In Ephesians, Paul says that God's love is higher and wider and farther and deeper than anything we could ever imagine. In Romans 8, we read, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither in the present or the future or any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you may be wondering, is God's love conditional for me? Is there something I can do to keep God from loving me more? Is there something that I could you know, forget that you go, oh, I'm disappointed in you, and now I won't love you? Well, this tells us, of course not. Our behavior doesn't change God's love for us. Our behavior doesn't separate us from the love of God. And I think this is really good news to our world. Who here has been on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram in the last year during this pandemic? Who here made the mistake of going into comments? <laughs> it's a terrible place full of terrible people. Our culture does not live out this agape love at all, does it? No, if anything, we are so far from it. We are so divided. We're divided between the left and the right, between masking, not masking, between vaxxing, not vaxxing. We are uh, separated by race, religion, all sorts of things. You know, flames, oilers, haha, we won some game miraculously last night. I, I promised Chris that I'd only say this once, but we won a game, I'm sorry. We're so separated though, right? And then on top of this, we have this thing called cancel culture. Anybody here familiar with cancel culture? If you say the wrong thing, if you take the wrong stance, you're deemed unlovable. Your voice is no longer worthy of being heard. This is the way our culture is functioning. It's anything but this love that God has. And it's into this mix that Jesus tells us to go and do likewise. Tells us to be people of love. Now, does Jesus come to us and stand and talk to us. Adam, I hope you're tracking with the camera here. Sorry I moved so quick. Does Jesus come and stop and say, love, love, love? Is that how he gets us to change? Is it us going, love, love, love? Anybody tried to grow that way before? Maybe for you it's patience and like, trying to put yourself in impatient perspectives. But that's never going to work. We don't will ourselves to love more. Instead, the invitation of Jesus is to a whole other way of imagining growth. And this is through being with him. We are with Jesus through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. And this spirit God gives us, 1 Timothy says, is not one of timidity, but of power, love, and self-control. That Jesus, the ultimate embodiment of love, 
because we are with him and dwells us with his love and transforms us with his love. And so here we talk a lot about apprenticing with Jesus, about being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus does. And the first step is always being with Jesus. Jesus is not a cold and distant God. He is not far off somewhere. He is not the watchmaker that started the watch and walked away. Instead, he's intimately involved, and he loves you, and he wants to be with you. And as we're with this God of love, he works in us, and he transforms us to be like him. And then amazingly, we can do what he does, which is love others. Now, Jesus was asked one time when he said, to love your neighbor as yourself, which is the second greatest commandment. Well, then who is my neighbor? Meaning, well, who do I actually have to love? And Jesus tells this long story about the Good Samaritan, but the ultimate answer to the question in that story is, who do you hate? Love them. And then Jesus on the cross, as he's dying, says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Jesus models for us that enemy love that he says you are to love your enemies. He models that by who hates you? You love them. So who are we to love? Whoever is around you. Just like God's love is unlimited, we're not to put limits on who's lovable and who's not. Now I know it's really hard to love people who are unlovable. I know it's really hard to love that neighbor who parks their car in front of your driveway and you have to drive around them. I know it's really hard to love that member of your family who says those outrageous things or to love that coworker, that classmate. In our minds, we all have someone who is probably pretty difficult to love some days. The good news is Jesus isn't saying to you, love them, love them, loving you, and without empowering you to do so. Instead, the good news is he's in you, and he's loving that person through you. And so let's embrace this way of Jesus. This way of Jesus that is patient and kind and slow to anger. In 1 John 4, 7 to 12, we read, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how we know love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we may live through him. And this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. Dear friends, let us love one another. Love is perhaps the greatest mark of the resurrection life. Paul says without love we're just a clanging symbol, a noisy gong. And so I think Jesus' invitation for all of us today as we, we walk further into this resurrection life is will you join me 
in loving that person who's unlovable to you? And will you allow me to transform you into love? That's the way, to quote the Mandalorian. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.